0: Guy Vienk is the global CEO of Analog Folk, a 300-person digital creative agency with offices in London, New York, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Sydney. Clients include Nike, Diageo, BT, Tommy Unilever, and more. He was the former managing director of AKQA New York, then VP of International. He joined the agency when they just had 20 people. They opened 10 offices and worked with some of the most iconic brands of the last 20 years they sold the agencies to WPP for an estimated 500 million pounds this is really a masterclass in getting people to align around a common vision and using your EQ emotional intelligence not your IQ to turn around a failing business we discuss growing a global innovation agency, how to turn around a failing business, how to win new business, the crisis of innovation in marketing, and running small agencies and much, much, much larger ones. Enjoy the chat. Guy Vienk, welcome to Dot Innovate.
1: Uh, thank you, Nathan. Uh, that's quite an introduction. So uh, delighted to be here, and uh, yeah, just delighted to catch up. Well, most importantly, have I pronounced your surname correctly? Not bad. Okay, not bad. it's Vienk, but Vienk. leave it in the sky, It's okay. a lot easier. Don't worry, I've been called far worse.
0: <laughs> Great stuff. Well, thanks for being on the show. You you've had a fantastic uh, career and, and background. We'll get into that in a, a lot more detail a little bit later but you start your working career as a professional windsurf instructor before becoming a researcher for Capital Radio in 1995. That's not the typical background of a $10 billion CEO of Publicis, is
1: it? Uh, no, maybe not. But I did have a good suntime, I guess, which was a good starting point. <laughs> sure. So, uh, But equally, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, there were some things that I learned in that time. And, uh, you know, you, uh, you're you effectively running a business. I was running, running a water sports business. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I needed to make sure we uh, were profitable and we had some happy clients. So there are some loose similarities, but mm-hmm. I will admit they're pretty loose.
0: <laughs> yeah. What What did the Capital Radio experience give you in
1: 1995? Yeah. Uh, gosh, that was a I mean, again, great place to work with, yeah. you know, have really good memories Um, and it really taught me the importance of data, really taught me the importance of insight. But I guess, you know, I guess the most important thing is it taught me how to use data to uh, push a point of view or an argument. Mm -hmm. So my role there was to effectively write the sales presentations for the sales team. So I would have to convince, for example, a hair care product why radio was right and I'd have to do that through Data, so some good learnings right. there,
0: and we I had a great time. Oh, really, really interesting. Well, you've your experience ranges from sort of smaller agencies to sort of some of the largest in in the world, and we'll get into that uh, in more detail a little bit later because you set up your own agency recently as well. Um, you fast forward a few years, you joined AKQA in two thousand, which was the start of a seventeen year career. Uh, You held senior roles from account services director, managing director of the New York business and VP of international. Um, And you were at the company really at the beginning of its growth. I think there were roughly 20 people there at the time. Talk us through what the company was like in those early days and what role did you have in what the company eventually became?
1: Yeah, thank you. So yeah, it was a a great place actually. And uh, I remember my first day I, 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 I got there and uh, I thought I was going to work on one piece of business. I ended up working on another and I sat next to this really nice chap, and he said, you must be important because you, um, I've been told to set up your machine for you. So I right. guess, you know, it really was at the early days we, huh. um, you know, there were about 20 of us, uh, and it was an amazing environment. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I try and always look at these things and say, what will I take forward? Cause when you change roles, You have a really good opportunity to reinvent who you are and review how you approach things. So I'm always looking to um, improve or optimize. And I think, you know, AKQA, whilst we didn't realize it, maybe in the early days, uh, it was a very empowering environment. You would just set yourself a goal and if you delivered it, you know, the, the organization just let you move forward. Um, So it was very, very empowering and and great fun and led to some uh, amazing experiences. Hmm. Reverse side of that, I think you always have to remember with a lot of these things, it's about timing. And um, the agency was just at the right time. It had the right leadership leadership um yeah right time right you know right place basically
0: hmm. so when you say right time what do you mean what what winds were changing either yeah. in the business environment yeah why was it the right sure time? sure
1: so i mean this is god i'm really showing my age here so this is you know this is kind of pre-modems you mm. know free board well, modems were obviously around but it was pre-broadband oh. uh, and we we're all waiting for broadband pre-broadband
0: so, so, yeah a long time uh, ago
1: I know, I know, I know, should just erase it from my memory. But um, so, you know, but there was definitely a shift. And you got to remember, we were moving in, you know, it was the it was the dot com kind of boom, mm-hmm. kind of period. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of activity in the market, a lot of people looking forward. And, you know, whilst a lot of those businesses went under, you know, when the when the bubble burst, mm-hmm. if you look at a lot of those ideas, they're relevant now. So, Sometimes it's just about getting the right business, getting the right shape at the right time, and and AKQA was just uh, perfectly poised. It had good people. It's an empowering environment, and it was very focused. It was very very focused. And you said the
0: leadership was important. What what was the, what were the important characteristics of the right leadership team?
1: Um, so you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But if I look at the you know, the approach to creativity, mm. ideas could come from anywhere. You know, it was a very inspiring environment. You know, ideas didn't have to just come from one department. Mm. It was a kind of open and collaborative environment. And I'm sure it still is. I, I haven't worked there for a long time. Mm. And, um, yeah, we just, you know, it was just, it was, it was good fun, you know. And at the end of the day, we're a bunch of people having a lot of fun mm. trying to turn the world upside down. It was great.
0: So just on AKQA, I mean, you know, few of us will get to work in a company that's growing at that kind of speed. Describe what it was like growing in a business that fast and how do you make sure that the wheels don't fall off?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, the wheels did nearly come off a few times because, you know, and and again, that's fine because they didn't and uh, it Mm. showed we were pushing things. And whilst you're nervous and you feel a bit uncomfortable, uh you know you're doing a good job Hmm. um the other thing is we did work really really hard but again with the benefit of hindsight i i don't think we realized we were making big decisions that we were actually making so Hmm. maybe we were blissfully unaware of Hmm. uh, the decisions we were making because it was very logical but uh it was a very empowering environment as i said before and ultimately it was you, you always felt confident so you knew if you walked into a room and all five people said we could do something deep down you knew by hook or by crook you could make it happen huh. it's a great feeling to have
0: quite quite fascinating akqa was more of a an ad agency at the time when you were initially sort of working there and then you helped it become a digital agency over over that time i imagine that kind of change would be a little bit that sort of big change would be met with some resistance or fear from the people that are already there? How, how did you manage that transition?
1: Yeah, well, I think, first of all, we have to be clear on geography there. So oh. um, AKQA in London was always a digital agency, but AKQA in San Francisco was originally uh, a through-the-line agency, Right. Citroën, okay. Citron, Bédicuret. Uh, and again, to Tom Bédicuret's credit, He, he realized the future was in digital services and, um, replaced, you know, he, he was the founder and he replaced the name, you know, above the door and replaced it with AKQA. So a lot of respect to him, he saw the future in digital, and then we just had to work together on changing the, the way the agency worked, changing the approach, you know, evolving the people, not changing everyone, Mm -hmm. but just changing a few roles You have to be patient. And and again, I think I learned that. And Tom was very, uh, very, very good to me in that that I was a little bit, you know, I was young. I was quite aggressive. And Mm -hmm. he just, you know, taught me to take it a bit easy, listen to others and evolve the product offering. And that's exactly what we did. Really
0: interesting. So talk a little bit about the business environment that you were operating in at the time, because you said it was the early 2000s huge amount of entrepreneurial spark and uh, ambition and sort of just uh sort of exuberance around that sort of time so many companies were being set up a lot of tech companies being set up and a huge amount of vc money was being thrown at them and subsequently we we realized that um a lot of people actually lost lost their money but what sort of businesses were you generally working with um were these sort of high Uh, you know VC backed tech startups uh, were they sort of more traditional bricks and mortar businesses uh, retail businesses etc talk about the business environment
1: sure well I guess you again you have to be careful which market you're talking about at any one time because different offices are in different levels of maturity or they might have different client base or whatever so I, when I went to San Francisco, uh, I arrived just as the, uh, at the bubble had birth. So it was a pretty, uh, it was a very tough business environment. And so we pivoted the business very effectively and we did double down on um, technology. So Xbox uh, was our first kind of digital advertising win. Um, We also produced the Xbox 360 interface, so we worked with the development team actually building the Xbox 360, which was an incredible experience. So we definitely diversified the business in the U.S. to be more digital. In the U.K., uh, during the the boom years, um, we... We were, at first, we thought we were being really slow because we were like, how, how are these businesses spending so much money? And how is this all working? And we're, we're super busy with the clients we've got. So we had a really simple rule. And it, it was uh, it's more embarrassing now, but it really did stand us very, very well when the bubble did burst. And it was if our parents hadn't heard of the brand, maybe we shouldn't do it. And that was it. Okay. So uh, we focused on blue chip clients, huh. and then, as I said, when the when the bubble burst, uh, suddenly we saw all of our competitors just fall by the wayside, or a large majority of them.
0: Huh? Quite quite fascinating. the The company was eventually sold thanks, to Mom. <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: the company was eventually sold to WPP for a reported five hundred million. What was it? What was it WPP w- were looking for in an agency at that time? And why did it make sense for AKQA to sell?
1: Yeah, well, well, first of all, AKQA had kind of been through multiple transactions. We'd taken uh, private equity funding uh, three times, uh, or two times, sorry. And we were just at a point where... Um, we were offered a great opportunity to kind of report in a different, in, you know, we weren't just reporting into a brand. Mm. I wanted, you know, we weren't going to get consumed by an ad agency or, you know, another agency. We, if you were looking at the future of the business, you know, we were we were hitting a size where we might have to start looking at being publicly traded and that involves a whole level of content. sure. So again, I think it was timing. Um, you know, the the overall management team wasn't. You know, I wouldn't say it was my decision at, at all. I was just part of the team. Um, it, it was just the right timing, the right price, the right opportunity, the right reporting structure, and uh, you know, I stayed with the long, you know, with the company a long time after we sold to WPP. Mm. We, we had a great a few years with them and uh, i have very fond memories again of uh, wpp i thought we were very well treated
0: Hmm. quite quite fascinating let's talk a little bit about publicists worldwide you became ceo of uh, publicists uk in 2015 the third largest communications group in the world they're a public company so a completely different level of scrutiny and sort of expectation um uh and that they i think they had revenues of around 10 billion at the time 11,000 employees so just a, a a a Goliath how do you prepare yourself for a job of that magnitude and what was the transition like
1: well first of all I'd got used to working for a you know a publicly traded company at WPP so I started huh. I started that journey with WPP so I wouldn't say it was totally new um I think the key difference here was you know, I was turning up in an environment. Um, Artur and, and Maurice, Artur Sadoun uh, and Maurice Levy uh, hired me, and the difference was you, you're not in a growth sector and you're not working in a growth uh, company. Hmm. And so that that was the difference. You know, I was very used to just everything growing, and then you walk into an environment that is effectively shrinking, uh, I won't say the years, but it was, pre, you know, we would, a normal business and probably wouldn't have been in business in a few years. Huh. So it was a very different type of business challenge. And the reason I wanted that challenge was a, you know, my reputation at AKQA had always been go fix problems. And I wanted to see if I could work in a broader creative uh, arena. So what interested me about this job were there were lots of different types of creative companies. And so how do you work with a portfolio of brands? And how do you get those brands to work together so the overall portfolio grows? So it was slightly different. You know, AKQA was a very pure play Mm -hmm. brand. It had a set of services. Mm -hmm. And yes, it had, you know, all these things There's some challenges. But working with lots of different brands not trying to create a new brand on top of all those brands. How do you connect those things? It was a very different mental challenge. And uh, very, again, really enjoyable because you really, you know, originally I said, oh, it's super simple. I'm just going to take all the processes that I've learned, hmm. shove them on to all these companies so they all work the same way. And, I, you know, I quickly realized. It didn't work out that way. That it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, different cultures, different hmm. ways of working, you know, these subtle nuances, everyone's looking for a simple quick fix. Hmm. And uh, it isn't about that. It's about, it's really when you're in those portfolio environments, it's about the importance of EQ, Hmm. you know, really understanding what's making things work. How do you get people working together? How do you embrace the fact that diversity is so important? How do you get? Everyone moving in the same direction. There, there's some complex tasks. In that.
0: Definitely sounds really challenging. So you mentioned portfolio of five different brands, trying to get them to come together to play nicely uh, was a challenge. Culturally, um, it was a challenging environment. The company was losing a lot of money at the time. And EQ was an important sort of toolbox tool that you had in your toolbox to, you know, to help you. What other tools or strategies did you have, did you employ to help you in that transition?
1: Sure. So first of all, you've got to arrive with a plan. Yeah. Don't don't just turn up, you know, fake it. You've got to arrive with a plan, but you've also got to be willing to evolve and change that plan. So, you know, there's some simple things that, you know, work well for me in that role. So the first thing I said to everyone is, look, we know change is needed, but I'm not going to do any changes uh, for two months. And I'm just going to meet everyone and find out what's going on. And I kind of had a feel around what the changes would be, but it just gave me two months in the building to evaluate those changes. Hmm. Um, And then you need to come out with a proposition that makes sense to clients And then we just pushed hard, you know, and the first thing to do was to focus on what I term kind of organic growth. So if you have a client buying a set of services from one agency, how do you make, how do you ensure that they buy it from two or three of your agencies? Um, And, you know, I just doubled down on organic growth because we had really good client satisfaction, um, but not necessarily the market reputation. So double down on the satisfaction, pick one bit of work or two bits of work that will be your heroes for the year, and then uh, you make the agency famous around those two bits of work.
0: Hmm. Quite, quite fascinating. So you're a new CEO, you're coming with a plan, obviously you say that there are no changes for two months or, or whatever time period that you, that you specify. How do you get the rest of the team or the employees or the key management team to sort of buy in to your vision and your plan when you're effectively saying hey what you guys have been doing has pretty much been wrong let's start
1: over and let's do it again yeah I mean that's always the challenge and uh, um, you know sometimes I, I admit I've handled it well and maybe not so well but at some point in your mind you have to know like, are the, are this, is this team on or off the bus? And I, I use that analogy. Mm. In fact, when I left Publicis, it was my leaving card. Mm. So, um, but you have to just, at some point, you just give yourself a timeline and force yourself to work to that timeline because otherwise you have a tendency to make excuses. Mm. So I just said, right, I need this team to be form, you know a high-performing team. I need a high-performing culture. Um, what's going to stop me? And if people if I felt people were faking it or if I felt people were, you know, saying one thing in the room and doing another, I just dealt with it head on. And and in a very pragmatic way, not emotional, not shouting, not screaming, just look, if you don't want to be here, then let's have a different conversation Hmm. because I've got a three year plan. Either you want to be part of the plan or you don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And actually, when you, when, you, when you talk to people in those sensible ways, they're, they're normally fine, you know, and obviously there's a, you know, there's a financial conversation around there. But, you know, ultimately, we've got to enjoy what we're doing. You know, we've got to enjoy it. You know, we've got to, you know, this is a tough industry. So mm-hmm. you've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy the diversity. You, you've got to enjoy who you're working with. And you have to feel part of a team. So, yeah, I'd say it's that on or off the bus conversation. So during your entire time at
0: the company, what was your hardest time at Publicis?
1: Um, so I think when I was executing the plan I had, the, the hardest bit is, you know, when you, you know, you have to cut, you know, let's say close the company. Uh, that's, that's tough. You know because you don't know the individuals in the company you don't you you don't know their personal situation um it it's really really tough so obviously that's not enjoyable but out the back of that you know we saw tremendous success so i think it was the right thing for the business but for me personally very difficult um, and I've had to make some difficult calls, you know, w- you know, we decide the business is going to pivot in a different direction, then maybe the existing leadership isn't right, and you have to change them. And they're good friends. And they've been working with you for two, three years, those, those decisions are, are very difficult, and I don't enjoy them. But I'm I'm able just to come, you know, put things into compartments. Hmm. You
0: you set up your own consulting company in two thousand and nineteen called Serum Consulting. What prompted that decision?
1: Yeah, so um, I was at Publicis, and you know, I, going going back to your previous question a bit, what you can't, what you can't, there's no point in worrying about what you can't control, Fine. and. Uh, there was a, you know, when you have a plan and you can execute your plan, it's fine. But ultimately, at the end of my time at Publicis, we, I was kind of like, look, I want to do this. I feel my job is kind of done. Then, um, you know, I want to go back to my roots, which is effectively, you know, digital innovation. So I left Publicis, and our tour was great. You know, as was Annette King. Uh, it was just a pragmatic conversation so I decided right I've got some time in the garden what I don't want to do is still be in the garden in six months time <laughs> and not have done anything sure. so I said right let's just set up a company let's set up a, a website let's do all the stuff you need to do all the admin and then if I never use it because I decide to get a job or I get a job or whatever then fine but at least I've done it so I kept myself super busy for three months setting everything up, and then uh, again through um, you know through my network and you know I, I I seem to build long-lasting relationships with clients. So an old client of mine asked me to help out on a consulting you know project, and I went, oh okay, maybe you should do this. And he said, well, will you do it for me? Because you know asking for help versus paying someone to do it, two different things. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, we were up and running and I was building an agency and uh, Serum was alive and kicking. And I had a consultancy working on digital business transformation services.
0: Wow. What was it like going from the size of a publicist to your own sort of consulting firm? Having everyone to help me do everything. Doing doing everything by yourself.
1: Yeah, I know. God, and I thought I was really good at keynote and I suddenly realized (laughs) I wasn't and I had to do it all myself. Right. Um, no, you know, again, it, I don't. I think I'm just a positive person, so uh, you know, it was good fun. Mm-hmm. I well, it still is good fun because I'm still very involved in it. I just like solving problems, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it. You know, I was in the U.S. a lot. I was traveling a lot. Uh, I was working really hard. You know, and, and I just worked with people I liked and my network of uh, colleagues I'd met over the last 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. So I think at one point there were about eight or nine of us and we were just having a good time. We were getting paid well and um, I ran a very, very transparent kind of, because these are, these are my friends and my colleagues. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very transparent kind of partnership agreement. And uh, yeah, we all had good fun. We all did good work and the client was really happy um and so yeah it was it was good but it was tough you know you, you when you're starting your own thing when you're doing all your own admin when you're doing the finances when you're sending out invoices yeah um yeah that's <laughs> you're very busy not glamorous at uh, like night not, not glamorous yeah not at yeah all. The, the business the business flight yeah. disappeared straight away, <laughs> all of that stuff uh, you know worrying about cash flow yeah but again, you know, you, it's just different. I mean, it's empowering in sure. some ways sure. because you're, you're doing exactly as you want to do. Um, uh, equally, working in a big company, you know, doing tons of reporting, mm-hmm. you know, it's loads of that stuff is administrative, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with all the politics, you know. They're, so there are pros and cons of both and individuals just need to decide where they want to be. Where do you prefer? yeah great if you had to choose so i guess you know it kind of leads me to analog folk hmm. so i i met the team at analog folk they were really impressed with what was going on at serum you know i love the culture and so yeah you know and they said look we would like to to effectively buy the company and and have you be our global ceo huh. so i was Wow, okay, so, so I've gone from eight people to, you know, 308. In, 300. In, in a, yeah, well, basically because Analog folks about 300 people. Wow, phenomenal. Hm. So, um, you know, I, and I think I, pref- I, I definitely enjoy um, the, you know, the independence that we have.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, know, it, it, I, it's not a publicist, but it's definitely still a, a very big business
1: yeah, it's a big business, but we, we, we live with our own results. Mm. So, uh, you know, I I ran, in fact, a board meeting the other day and we were going through the numbers and luckily the numbers are great, but I was thinking, wow, if the numbers were bad, Hmm. I'd just be shouting at myself in Hmm. the mirror, you know, because it'd be like, this isn't good enough. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of that pressure away. Um, Because we can just do what we think is right. And if you look at the the culture of the business, you know, that's very much, you know, you you can feel it in the organization. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely prefer being in uh, digitally led companies. Um, And I definitely like, you know, working in, in this kind of more independent kind of environment
0: interesting so let's talk a little bit about analog folk then because you said that in 2009 you became global ceo um your purpose is to help brands use digital technology in ways that make ana- the analog world better give us an example of what that means
1: sure well first of all it was 2019
0: not nine so oh, is that what i said yeah
1: just aging you there yeah, aging me again. I'm talking pre-broadband and <laughs> that, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, th- there's a bunch of work, and that's what really, you know, really what I found interesting about analog folk. Um, you know, it's it. You know, brands are increasingly looking for purpose. It's very well documented, and I feel analog folk can really help them deliver on that purpose. So, if it's financial literacy, we work with a big bank to help uh, families improve how they manage their money, how they communicate about money with children, how they encourage children to save responsibly. If you look at health, mm. we're working with one particular client in the US around how do you improve your overall health and well-being You know, through diet. If it's more training, we'll, we'll, Nike is one of our clients in we're helping uh, people train better. Huh. If you look at entrepreneurialship and business, um, we've done programs where we've empowered uh, young entrepreneurs to make their dreams come true. So I think there are lots of examples of it around the world. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm super excited. the The new business pipeline is really, really strong. Mm-hmm. We've got, as I said, just over 300 people uh, six offices and, and a great client list. You know, you've got Nike, BT, Diageo, Tommy Hilfiger, Unilever, and the list goes on. Just go the list. Like, line, it's super, super robust. So, what's to love?
0: Phenomenal. So you talk about a new business. Um, how do you think about business development? Is it based on the strength of the brand or, uh, direct outreach? How do you think about winning new business?
1: Yeah. Uh, Really good question, and in and this, I learned a lot of this from publicists actually. Because at AKQA in the early days, we relied on the phone to ring, and mm. our new my personal new business strategy was you know, say no once because we'd inc- improve the conversion rate by about 20% mm. if they said oh, please. So, <laughs> publicists, I didn't have that luxury, um, so that was way more about thought leadership, mm. events. So I'm I am very I'm very passionate about brands marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important they bring thought leadership to the to the fore, mm-hmm. but equally they just got to focus on the work, do good work, and everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick one or two hero case studies, do great work. You'll hire against that work. That will drive your new business pipeline. Everything is driven around. Work and I would rather focus on doing great work than worrying about some league table or something like that. I think that's a bit of a diversion because you end up you knowing, oh, they're the top client when it comes to you know top agency. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when it's a new business, mm-hmm. I have no idea how those league tables are formed sure. because you know, uh, I uh, you know, sometimes you can't talk about the win if you're working on a building a new business for a client right you're under you know strict NDA so I, I'm not uh, for me it's about do great work let the work do the talking for the agency and you will find clients will will gravitate towards that work
0: hmm, quite quite fascinating so thought leadership events uh awards all of those things play a, a part in sort of building The brand and sort of enabling the phone the phone to ring but ultimately it's around doing great work um that enables you to uh to be seen in the marketplace that's so so just to put all of this into the picture what does a typical day look like for
1: you yeah 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 yeah, that's a that's a tough one (laughs) is there a typical Um, day there isn't i don't think there is one no I mean, uh, you know, it depends what kind of business you're running. So obviously now running a global business, you know, I do a lot of calls with Asia in the morning and uh, a lot of calls with, you know, uh, um, with Amsterdam kind of mid-morning and then late at night with uh, Asia. Uh, Sorry, sometimes you have to catch Asia on the reverse side of the the time zones. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I... I kind of try and do my kind of global stuff two days a week and then focus on the rest of the business stuff uh, the rest of the time. So mm. I wouldn't actually say I have a standard week because it depends if uh, if I'm traveling. I do a lot of traveling. I mm-hmm. think I did about 35 flights in uh, three and a half months. Oh, so That, that carbon you know, footprint. Was, yeah that common footprint wasn't <laughs> great but it was way i could understand the business so sure. um so yeah so mm. i i can't say i have a a set routine uh but i think I'm, I'm not great with routines and uh i'm sure you're gonna ask me what i'm not so good at and w- what i'm not great at is just running a process i'm fine you know helping create stuff i'm i'm fine pitching stuff i love i love hanging out with clients i love solving problems uh i'm not necessarily the greatest person running a process day in day out
0: Hmm. well that leads me on to the next question actually because so obviously you've 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 jumping been jumping ahead of you here. Well, you you are jumping ahead of me, but th- this is really <laughs> good because it's, it 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 all works together. Uh so AKQA publicist, Serum and sort of now Analog Folk. So from you know big agencies to even bigger agencies to your own uh, sort of smaller startup to a, a large agency again. How do you improve your skills as a business leader as an entrepreneur? as a founder, where do you go to sort of improve
1: your skills in
0: those areas?
1: Yeah, good question. And um, I think I, I do, I'd like to believe I listen a lot. So sometimes people say, hey, guy, you know, you're super blunt. And, and it, I'm only trying to be blunt because I'm happy to be wrong. I, I don't think I necessarily have a big ego. It's more, uh, I I like to draw, I like to draw conclusions from the room, and so I can, I find it easier if I'm blunt, and then people can say, "Hey, what about this?" and we evolve the conversation from there. So, um, I think, I what I've learned is you've got to listen because half the time the people around you. Are way better at the at the job in hand than mm. you might be. Mm. So you're paying all these people. You know you might as well listen to them rather than just stand there suck the oxygen out the room and tell everyone what to do for my <laughs> hour. So I think I would say that's my approach. Um, I don't know if that answers your
0: question. It really it it really does, and uh, I can't tell you how many other uh, founders and, and leaders have said a, a, a very similar thing around listening. First, and the importance of listening to the room. So, uh, yeah. yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about the advertising industry. This is a super hot topic right now. But you know, are we facing a crisis in innovation and creativity? Ad agencies often focus a lot on data, but sometimes they sort of strip humanity from the data, and, and as a result, we have very one-dimensional advertising where we're not necessarily thinking about the consumer all the time. So the question is, has the industry lost that creativity and curiosity?
1: Yeah, great question and a really hot debate in the industry. And I think the, the first thing to is have a look at the wider context of the marketplace. So if you look at advertising spend per se, I think it grew something like 2.9% last year. People are predicting it will either be flat or slight decline mm-hmm. this year, driven uh, primarily by changes in Asia. Mm -hmm. But what is really important is uh, the digital advertising spend now is over 50%. I think that it breached the 50% mark last year. So whatever happens, you have to have a very good, strong digital uh, uh, proposition. Now, when I look at the advertising agencies and how they're grappling with data, um, I've worked in one. And I think advertising agencies are just having to redefine themselves um, because they're brilliant at brands. They're brilliant at talking about brands. They're brilliant at articulating brand values. Um, but now we're seeing, you know, the wider eco it, marketing ecosystem grow. So. I think there is a danger that we just drift down this uh, programmatic kind of route, but then there's more importance than ever on the agencies to create messaging that stands out because you can do it. Hmm. You can do it because brands need purpose. You need to articulate that purpose in the right way. And you can do it. You know, Heineken, mm. worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Did did phenomenally well for Heineken and for uh, publicists as a whole. I think got something like two billion impressions. And it, the idea was born in uh, in the UK and suddenly went global. It was covered by, you know, CNN. So you fantastic. can fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about it, that. It's I... easy to drift straight into the numbers. You need to use numbers to drive insight as
0: well as measurement. 100%. Well, you mentioned the World's Apart campaign. Let's talk a little bit about that because that was a campaign that you were involved in, in Publicis. um, And that was the social experiment aimed at getting people to focus on the things that unite us rather than the things that divide us. So it was a campaign for Heineken uh, and the campaign features sort of real people. It puts two people together, strangers, meeting for the first time and they are sort of divided by their beliefs. Um, and then the idea was sort of what happens when you bring people together, you know, a feminist and an uh, anti-feminist or a climate change activist with someone who thinks the uh, the whole idea is just not, not true. Um, yeah. Talk about how that idea came about and and what impact did it have? You were, you were starting to describe that.
1: Yeah. So um, it's a dangerous You know, it's a dangerous area uh, to play in. You know, because you know you can. You know, lots of brands have had missteps when they start dealing with uh, political issues. So there was just something about it, and it goes back to this nervousness. Earlier in the interview, you were saying, you know, the wheels never came off, and I thought, (laughs) well, they nearly did a (laughs) few times, and we were, you know, we took things to the edge, and. I don't know, we just all felt really good. The client was super brave as mm-hmm. well. Um, and it broke so many rules, you know. It was long form. Everyone said, no, do short sure, form. That's sure. the only thing that works. Right, 30 seconds, um, one minute. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and we just, we broke all the rules. We mm-hmm. backed ourselves. The client was incredibly supportive, and um you know we we all invested heavily i mean that piece of work the amount of time and effort it took and the psychology behind it and choosing the people and you know huge risks um but you know what out of risk come great things you know doing great work isn't always easy mm-hmm. you know you've got to be on the edges sure. so um yeah and i'm, I'm super chuffed with the results and you know, I can talk about the impressions and I can talk about how it was on the news and on the telly and I can talk about how, yeah. you know, um, Perez Hilton and Jennifer Saunders tweeted about it. Oh, wow. But you know what was more important? It was when I came home and I was chatting to the kids and one of my uh, sons said, well, Dad, we were talking about society at school today and they used the Heineken film wow. as part of the syllabus. Um, and you're like, do you know what? We've made a goddamn difference. And uh, so I found that really, really empowering, uh, nerve wracking, fun, emotional, um, and super chuffed with the results and, and, and super happy for the team. Everyone who can put that on their portfolio, uh, hats off to them.
0: Fan- fantastic. I-, I can't let you go without asking a, a Brexit question and a DNI question as well. Uh, yeah. okay. so, so even though we have seen a lot of progress in, in recent years, representation of women and minorities at the highest levels in leadership, especially in the, in the advertising and marketing industry is still lacking. Is the industry doing enough and,
1: and what more can be done? Well, until we have equality and balance, we've not done enough. So there's your answer to the first question. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we all as leaders, we all have to take it very seriously. And um, you know, there are techniques you can you can undertake. And even as a smallish business, um, we're, we're doing those. You know, blind CVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those kind of things very very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and and I'm, I'm we're definitely evolving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just uh, when's this podcast coming out? Because we're doing an announcement. Uh, we're doing an announcement this week, and I I don't want to. Oh, <laughs> I, I see. Want to announce something before? Well, well, we got a new ECD in huh. Amsterdam. She's amazing. Right, um, we, you know, we're, we're very aware yeah. that we need to, you know, until the job's done, mm. you know, none of us can be satisfied. 100%, 100%. I don't really know what else to say. Mm.
0: Talk about your biggest managerial challenge today across all of the brands or all of the agencies that you've worked with. Tell us how you handled it. Uh, and how do you think you would have done things differently if you had a second, second go at it?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think I would go back to New York Hmm. and, um, we'd come off the back of winning like 10 pitches in a row. We felt invincible. It was amazing. And then we lost seven on the trot. Oh, wow. And, um, I was really like, wow, you know, nothing's changed. Hmm. Like, is this luck or is, you know, what is it? Yeah. And um, it was easy to start, you know, questioning stuff, you know, arguably mm. creating arguments, berating the team. Uh, and then we just, you know, and then I just paused and I went, you know what, we just gotta, we just gotta ride this through. And, you know, it was tough on the PL, there was loads of pressure. And, mm. um, but ultimately, just riding it through, communicating with the team, backing ourselves—you know—we won the next seven, I think it was, huh. and we came out okay. So I, I guess you know, for me, it's like just back your gut. And uh, one one thing I'm, I think I'm good at, and as I, as I told you before, this I, I don't often uh, blow my own trumpet that much, but I'm I'm pretty, I kind of set a broad target of what I want. Mm. For for the business I'm working in, and mm-hmm. we normally get there. Hmm. Now, if you get there via route A, B, C, doesn't really matter as long as you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's like, look, back yourself. You you know you're going to have some hardships if you if you change your way to getting to your end goal. Don't worry about it. Focus on the end goal.
0: Hmm. Final question before we get into our favorite questions. Sure. This is the the Brexit question. Uh, finally, uh, we have, you know, we we have a conclusion, and it just seems as though, you know, for twenty nineteen, there were so many clients that were putting things on hold, or there was lots of sort of indecision um, that was happening. And I, I don't know whether maybe you can speak about some of your clients and sort of what 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 you were seeing in twenty nineteen. But talk about how the world has changed um, for you and your clients now that we know what we're doing with Brexit. And um, yeah, what are you what are you seeing? At the moment
1: sure um God, where do you start with that broad thing so a super painful process for the entire country i think uh super divisive topic um and you know 50 percent of the population go one way or mm-hmm. 47 48 and the rest go the other mm-hmm. so very marginal so it, it's been painful for the country in terms of what i've seen. I saw a lot of nervousness back end of last year, mm-hmm. second half of last year. a lot of uh clients no, no one taking a position which again i't no one knew how to take a position, sure. but a lot of people um managing risks, so effectively you know moving um moving people into uh amsterdam etc etc so we've seen a lot of activity in amsterdam if you look at amsterdam generally the reason we we've jumped in with both feet is huge amount of growth there uh super the you know for the team i think we're working with five of the top like 10 spenders in the market already and we've only been Around for a couple of months, mm. so yeah, you know, definitely some people hedging in the background, but no one wants to do anything publicly. But now the decision's been made. It seems like this 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 cloud has been lifted. Right. I mean, business is very is very buoyant at the moment. Uh, Q one has been amazing. Mm. Uh, so I feel like you know the industry. You know, generally people have got swagger. And now there's a definitive answer. I do believe the UK needs to be a little bit careful. I do believe we, um, you know, we need to ensure that the UK remains a creative hub rather than just a local market. Um, and you know, we'll see how that kind of manifests itself over the next, you know, uh, couple of years. Because ultimately, I can only control what I can control. Hmm, sure guy i know i've only got you for
0: a few more minutes so let's get into everyone's favorite questions these are the questions that i ask all of my guests um and they oh usually on. <laughs> the pressure is on now got
1: some high flyers in there so we have
0: explain. we have and uh, but they're usually quite revealing these questions anyway these are more sort of personal questions i would say uh tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience
1: when I failed, um, so uh, I failed to win a, a, a good few pitches, mm-hmm. and um, I've decided now if I'm not going to win a pitch. Just please don't come second. <laughs> so either win it or miss by a mile. By a mile, a close <laughs> second as well. It's mile. the worst. Close second is the worst. You place are almost there. So, I hate clients that yeah, say that. Yeah. So you know, my my brief to the teams mm. is now: look, just, just, just again, mm. win it or or come last. Mm. Just uh, just go for it.
0: Tell us who some of your early mentors were, who influenced the way that you think about marketing the way you think about growing businesses
1: and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we were chatting about this briefly earlier and I think one of my, my learnings or one of my failings is, uh, my mentors, I don't think I ever tell them they're my mentors. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, um, I have had a lot of sound bites. Yeah. Um, so uh Tom Bedaker uh was a, an amazing uh person and um had a high degree of in- in- integrity. Uh MT Carney. Um you know she was at Naked. I met her at uh Amaradi Puris Lintas. I learned a huge amount from her. Um you know, and there's little sound bites that really mm. spring to mind, you know, from a client services point of view, it was, I remember someone saying to me once, stay close to revenue. Mm. And, uh, and I, I kept that with me ever since, um, because it's not only staying close to the money of your clients, but it's also staying close to clients. So even in this role now, I, I, I don't try and meet all of our clients because I, I physically can't. Mm-hmm but what i do try and do is make sure i make a difference to five clients and those five clients will change but i always try and make a difference a positive difference not throwing the team under the bus it's more about stay you know stay close to the work don't titles just ignore them you know at the end of the day as far as i'm concerned you know when it comes to client activity i don't mind being the account executive writing minutes you know just do what you need to do hmm. stay close to the work stay close to the clients stay close to the revenue makes makes
0: perfect sense the books question this is everyone's yeah. favorite questions this is the question that i get most emails about and linkedin messages what was the what was the book that that um that that person mentioned again so no pressure we're here with this question yeah, but tell us tell us about some of your favorite books uh fiction okay. nonfiction, fiction whatever
1: well, you got to imagine I was at home starting a business, so I was listening right. to a lot of audio books. Cool. So I I, I I reviewed it. Well, I went through a load of books last year. So I, maybe I need to categorize them. Right? I don't necessarily have a favorite, mm-hmm. um, but uh, oh, a I really enjoyed Shoe Dog, um, Great. You know, the Nike story. The Nike story. Uh, uh, yeah i I cried i actually cried at the end of it yeah so good i mean you know an amazing story always on the edge you know sadly some terrible personal tragedy uh yeah great great book i enjoyed that Mm. uh i enjoyed you know from an educational point of view you might not believe but everything he writes but scott galloway's the four i thought was quite good okay that was. I have not um, read it. Yeah. But I love Scott yeah. Galloway, all the stuff he does. Yeah, he's a personality and a heart. Yeah, I love he his is. I mean, the Pivot podcast, if you don't listen to it, you should do.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, then what else? Everyone Lies is really interesting everyone when you look lies. at the power of data and what, you know, everyone lies to everyone, but you don't lie to Google. Because you search for what you search for. So if you want an interesting, thought-provoking book around data and statistics, everyone lies. And if you just want to have a few laughs, yeah, I can't make this up by Kevin Hart. (laughs) He's just (laughs) a funny guy. So if you want to switch off, if you're a bit depressed about what people search for on Google, go for Kevin Hart. Uh, Okay.
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. You've, that's that's a very eclectic uh sort of yeah. uh, variety of, of books. You can um, tell. I'm in different moods
1: for different yeah, things. Sometimes really learning, sometimes relaxing, yeah. sometimes
0: I don't know. What's what's been the biggest takeaway from everyone lies for you?
1: Uh oh, great question. Um the <laughs> well, basically everyone lies. Uh yeah. so um I think it, it kind of just demonstrates social media behaviour. So effectively, you know, and it's well, more digital behavior, you know, don't don't believe what you see. Mm. Um, you know, everyone paints this incredibly rosy picture deep down, you know, that that's very worrying sure. for me because, you know, you only have to look at mental health issues in the younger, you know, generation and, and it's terrifying mm. because, you know, this 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 fake story—it's—it's it's a huge issue for mm. society. So, um, but yeah, just—I don't know. I don't know if I know. Just like the weird things people search. <laughs> for different cultures. It's
0: worrying. And yeah, I,
1: and again, there's. I'm worried about talking about some of the topics because they're quite, uh, you know, the way they um, mix data sets between, uh, for example, porn sites and Google searches. And just, just, it's quite, it's quite uh, enlightening. Okay, (laughs) that's that's a word for it. Search for different things. But again, that's (laughs) suddenly making myself sound uh, very (laughs) good No, it's just very ins- insightful, yeah, insightful how the the truth of what we're looking for is very different to the truth that we all talk about okay it's it's added
0: to the list thank you very much for that as well as kevin it's hart's book my pleasure <laughs> <Awesome>. yeah yeah <laughs> lead that to the,
1: that that's listen to that in the car maybe. <laughs> uh <laughs> all right what's the thank most interesting
0: what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background
1: Oh wow! Well, now you've told everyone I was a windsurf instructor. You've right. blown that.
0: Right. <laughs> so, uh,
1: what don't they know about me? Um. Well, I'd give away. I. Do you know? I just don't, you don't know. You're open book.
0: Uh, uh, you you, you I, tell I everyone think everything, so. right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm okay. a, yeah, maybe maybe that's the problem. Yes. I just say <laughs>
0: you say, You say far too much. <laughs> let's let's move on. A- Amazon Prime or Netflix? Oh,
1: Netflix. What are you
0: watching at the moment that's good?
1: Um, oh god, I've been uh well, what am I what, um I'm doing a big binge on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, okay. Um, that's a few years thing. old now. Yeah, it is a few years old. I went all the way back and just oh, decided wow. to binge. But uh, okay. Ozark, I really liked. thought yep. uh, that was very clever. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, Ozark, I've, I've done that. I mean, Great. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit too addicted to uh, Netflix. joy <laughs> yeah, enjoy all... traveling. You just download all the boxes, Yeah. Off you go. Yeah, there
0: you go. Final final two questions, Guy. Uh, A millennial or young person approaches you and asks for advice to start an agency or get into the agency world. What advice do you give them?
1: Um, Just follow your gut. You know, just follow your gut, focus on the work, keep it simple. Mm. Um, if, If people are... Using loads of jargon. Just try and break it down, uh, and make sure. God, just make sure you're having a good time. As in working hard, but feel like you're adding value. Because mm. uh, if you give value, if you give energy, th- this is you know I, yeah, you know, I'm really fortunate. I, I work. You know I, I, I'd like to believe I I am very kind of non-hierarchical i don't even know if that's the right term Hmm. Work with anyone but i only work with people who give energy Hmm. yeah if people always want to take energy suck energy out the room um i'm not interested so give energy you know follow your gut it doesn't matter if it's wrong you know you can evolve you can change and um you don't need everyone says oh you know have to work at this place for 20 years you don't need to you know you can you know you can have four careers nowadays Mm -hmm. so just uh follow your heart enjoy yourself do good work uh and you know just make sure you always remember that you're not the client Hmm.
0: really really interesting this has been an absolutely fascinating uh conversation and my final question guy What is it you know about the world of agencies, brands, entrepreneurship, uh, startups that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career?
1: Mm. Uh, Importance of cash flow. Yeah. What do I think I've learned? Um, I think I've become a lot more patient. And um, so I think I was, um, I've mellowed a lot. I think I was uh, quite aggressive and uh, I think the, if you look at the creative industry now, collaborations are more important than ever. Hmm. So in, you know, 20 years ago, it was all about the single individual. It was all about super aggressive. A company smashes the company that so now it's far more around collaborations, you see that in the music industry, you see it in the communications industry, so my my tip to people would be, you know, you don't have to do it all, uh, find good partners to partner with um, and uh, let the work do the talking
0: We have been speaking with Guy Vienk he is currently the global CEO of Analog Folk we would be unable to do do this show without our very own innovators. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Megeki is our booker slash project manager. Marian Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to Dot Innovate from the Agency Deal Masters Podcast Network.